Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. Welcome to the Jerry Petito Show. Anyone and everyone who knows me knows I am the author of I'm Not an Addict, I'm Just an Ass. Guys, I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass. Because 30 years ago, I was a dumbass. But through the grace of God, today, 30 years later, I am a smartass. I am a nutritional health coach. I'm a recovery coach. My book can be found through Simon & Schuster Archway Publishing's bookstore, it can help save lives, guys. We have to start looking at addiction differently. I want to let everyone out there know you are not powerless. Don't believe that. All my services to you are free. If anyone out there needs help, please, please, please reach out. Having said that, I have an incredible guest with me today. Um, he's a tribute artist. He sings songs from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I'm assuming. He'll probably do. I mean, this guy can sing anything. He is absolutely awesome. I would like to introduce to everyone, Barry Jason. Say hello, Barry. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm it's good. It's a pleasure to be on with you today. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Not bad at all. I'm looking forward to this. So, I am as well. You know, um, start a little bit. Give us a little bit of your history with when this journey started for you with music. Gosh, we'll start from the very beginning. That's usually the best place to start. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was put on the piano at uh, five years old from my uh, mother because it seems like mothers always have that uh, innate way to figure out what their kids want to do or what they're drawn to. And uh, so she put me on the piano and uh, apparently I took to it like a fish takes the water, and, uh, you know, was classically trained. And, uh, but by the time, you know, you're around 10, 11, 12 years old, it's like you, you're thinking about Little League baseball and stickball, and you don't want to do the practicing anymore, and this and that. And, um, of course, me being the uh, uh, rambunctious, I guess, child, you know, I did not want to practice anymore at that age. And, uh, Next thing you know, I'm standing up on my piano bench, turning the, the hands of the clock just to move the time. You know, look, Mom, I finished my practicing. There you go. There's the proof, you know. The hour is up. Uh, yeah, she didn't buy that for one minute. No, course, huh? You know? no, no, not at all. And um, so I gave her, believe it or not, I think it was somewhere around 12, 13 years old, an ultimatum like, I can't do this. I can't take it anymore. And uh, somehow, some way, she sort of gave me a different path. She says, listen, I have another piano teacher. I want you to try him out for a month or two, whatever. She says, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. So I took lessons from this other guy for a couple of months, whatever. And everything that he taught me went from classically trained to more contemporary. And that sort of gave me the, I guess, the, uh, the next page, which was to start, you know, my own rock bands when you're in high school. And that happens when you're about 16 years old. And uh, back then, of course, it wasn't really piano. It was electric uh, organs, you know, like the Dave Clark Five organ player. Mm. Um, so and then, of course, what spurs you on during this whole time was, you know, you see the uh, the British invasion that happened in 64, where, uh, you know, the Beatles sort of, you know, put down the pavement for all these other groups to really come across and that was a, a host of different groups. You know, the Dave Clark Five and Jerry and the Pacemakers, Hermits, Hermits, there were an abundance of them. Uh, and, of course, in America at that same time, then all of a sudden you had this American invasion of groups. You had, you know, Gary Lewis and the Playboys, the Buckinghams, Gary Puck and the Union Gap, um, 
Three Dog Night, The Rascals. Uh, so you had a conglomeration of different, different groups all happening, all really around the same time oh, okay. during that mid-60s. And it was sort of considered like a renaissance in, in pop culture at that time. And, of course, leading into Woodstock, that's when things really, really started to change. And, you know, if you wanted to play the organ out in a, a live concert, you had to make sure you had these gargantuan Leslie cabinets, of course, you know, hoisted on your back and helped along with other guys in the band that would uh, help you uh, lug that thing. Um, so it was all fabulous, though. Was, that was part of that journey early on. And then... At the age of about 20, 21 is when I stopped the rock bands and stuff. And I just started dabbling, playing solo. And I started actually doing piano solo venues in like bars and restaurants at the age of 21. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it was a great experience and I did it for so long, even up to this, this time. Um, and then, of course, when the 70s happened, you know, your love for rock music is still there. The, the music changed completely. My influences in the 70s were, besides, you know, the original 60s stuff, it, it just um, accentuates with groups like Grand Funk Railroad and Mountain and Electric Light Orchestra. And um, at the, the pinnacle of it would be Sly and the Family Stone. So there was a lot of stuff going on. But me playing solo piano was different because my influences around that time which was you know around the 70s now changed dramatically and that's when uh, todd rundgren and it's funny too because i first heard a todd rundgren song as i was a dishwasher in a japanese steakhouse <laughs> okay i kid you not you know and i had the radio there and that's where i first heard the song i saw the light and, you know, how in the world I got this job in a Japanese steakhouse, it's beyond me. But uh, I walked in there because I was always a workaholic anyway. And I'm only like 17 years old. So they said, like, you know, do you speak Japanese? I said, no. I said, but I play a lot of ping pong. They said, okay, you got the job, you know. <laughs> so, but I heard, the, I heard the Todd Rundgren song while I was washing dishes in the Japanese steakhouse. And Todd Rundgren, I have to be honest with you, I've seen him live in concert no less than 32 times. Oh, wow. So he was probably my biggest, biggest influence as a solo artist, along with Barry Manilow and Neil Sedaka and the solo Beatles, you know, McCartney and Lennon and so forth, and James Taylor and Carole King. Uh, that's when a lot of the solo artists basically started leaving their own bands, and they just went solo, you know? Um, so it was fabulous. I was just going along in this groove. So very cool. You had, you had, um, explained something to me when we had a conversation one time, I'd like you to share just a little mm. bit about the British invasion and how it changed things for other artists, um, to be able to play oh, what yeah. they wanted. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, it's funny too, because you know, you're growing up, you're listening to uh, records from, you know, either your, your older sister or cousins or whatever. And back then it was mainly manufactured artists. Um, you know, they wore cute clothes and they had cute faces and they had the, the right clothes. And you had these uh, hit makers at these hit making factories, just dishing out all of these songs for these artists to sing and to memorize and sing it well. Okay. And what happened when the Beatles first came into this country and obviously the, it was considered a social phenomena at that time. February 7th, 1964 was that day when they actually came off the plane. And the media thought they were going to eat these four mop tops alive. And in five minutes, the American press completely fell in love with them. And then when they started hearing the music and other regular people started hearing their music, you know, people would start saying, well, yeah, you know, it's a pretty good song, you know, like, where did it come? who wrote the song, you know, who wrote the music anyway? And then one person would say to the other, well, the, the Beatles wrote it. Well, what about the lyrics? Well, the Beatles wrote the lyrics. Well, who's playing the instruments? Who's playing the music? Well, the Beatles are playing the music. So that changed everything. That changed everything, the way music was played and looked at. And a lot of very famous musicians and rock artists even to this day will tell you that when they saw that happen 
they can pick up their own guitar, they can pick up their own kit of drums, learn how to play it and do it, and be original, and get out there and just do your own thing, including myself. Um, so that changed music completely. Amazing. And, um, yeah, yeah. Amazing. You know, I remember seeing, like, they would show the day the Beatles came. Like, those you know, news things are still out there that you could go on YouTube, I guess, and you'll see them getting off the plane. And, and it was just amazing. Yeah. The and videos. We just had that anniversary last week. Yeah, huh? about that song it's amazing yeah um that was a song by a group that came out basically in the 70s it was a vocal group you know an r&b group called the stylistics and um you know it's funny music taste and appreciation it, it changes um it could constantly change or it can change you know over a period of time um but things that I really wouldn't appreciate when I was younger, as you get older, there's a different appreciation for it, or vice versa. You know, some groups that, let's say, I absolutely loved in the 60s. Um, you know, one example, and I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, knock off any uh, Credence Clearwater fans, but uh, I used to love Credence. Our bands used to do, like, at least, you know, a couple of dozen of their songs. Okay. And um, But as I got older... I mean, 
I really had no interest in listening to that kind of music. And I can actually vouch completely and confirm that thought because I went down to Atlantic City with my rep, Linda Carrazzo, and uh, we went to see a Credence uh, Clearwater uh, concert. And it was agony for me. And here's a group that I absolutely loved, and it was agony. Agony. Um, and it had, yeah, and it had nothing to do with like you know the sound or anything like that. It was that the taste change, okay. and vice versa. See, I can give many examples of that. When I was in, let's say, that period of time between I don't know, seventeen and twenty-five, I didn't want to hear anything by James Taylor. I used to laugh to myself. And then as I started getting just a little bit older, it's like. I fell in love with all of the music. So, and I have many instances like that. Uh, it's uncanny how it works. It's almost like, it's almost like, you know, you hate a, t a certain kind of food when you're young. Okay. Then all of a sudden you get older and the taste of buds change, your, your palate changes. Okay. And you have, you know, you've acquired a taste for foods that you've absolutely detested and now you absolutely love them and vice versa. Right. You know? So it's, it's the same thing. Um, so the stylistics, uh, I really, really have grown fond of them. And, uh, I do a lot of their songs when I'm on my shows. Um, I probably, you'll probably be playing one of them uh, later on in this interview. Um, but they have, they have definitely taken hold of me. They're one of the many groups that I've aspired to as I've gotten older. So let me ask you this then. Um, mm. Who have you met that you always wanted to meet? And who haven't you met that you always wished you could have or maybe still can? You know, <clears throat> I've never met any of the artists that I've really been influenced by in person. Okay. Except, you know, from far away in concerts. Okay. So that would be the closest thing. There was nothing like a meeting, a shaking the hands or being in the same room like holy crow it's you know it's McCartney and hanging right. out in that room there nothing like that um so I guess the follow-up question would there have been somebody that I would have wanted to meet yes probably probably the the artists that I had mentioned previously like you know anybody in the Beatles yeah. here's a story here's here's a that's a perfect story. Okay. During the seventies, during the seventies, I used to um, I was in a different band when I was going to college. It was called Jersey City State College at the time, and I was in a different band back then. And the year was, I think, in the vicinity of about seventy-five. I can almost say it was definitely seventy-five. And um, there used to be this one group called Everyone. They were the local phenom group in Hudson County. Okay. And um, they used to play regularly. They had a a, a power pop almost a Beatlish sound to them. And they used to play at this one place over in the city, either on 1st, 2nd, or 3rd Avenue, uptown around 80th Street somewhere. And, uh, and of course, John Lennon lived, you know, in the Dakotas. Right. And uh, he used to love this group also. And they used to always play in this one place called Home. That was the name of the restaurant bar. It was called Home. So I went with one of my guitar friends, and we felt we felt as though the night that the that one local group everyone was going to be there that John Lennon would definitely be walking through the door, and I was like sitting by the door, and even though I was enjoying the the, the music from the group, I couldn't have, every time that door opened and closed I was waiting for John Lennon to walk in the door. <laughs> I kid you not, and it was never to be for Pete's sake. Never. I was like so disheartened. Um, so that would be the most wishful thinking type of uh, right. thing that I had. You Listen, know? who, who wouldn't want to have met him? Right. I mean, come on. Right. Exactly. Him and exactly. Elvis. Forget it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> forget it, Bear. So, uh, all right. Wow. Well. And it's funny. And it's funny too, uh, Jerry, because, um, even, you know, when, when John Lennon went solo and then he was doing those one-to-one -one concerts with Yoko Ono, which right. wasn't really my, my thing. It wasn't my thing but, either, but go ahead. Right. It, I remember when he was doing a Madison Square Garden, you know, and he was doing a, a, an Elvis cover. Yes. He would actually say something out loud about how he loved Elvis yes. in the middle of the song. No, yes, I know. 
you know. And Elvis so loved the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. And, and Elvis loved the Beatles. I mean, that's right. It's amazing what they've what they've said about each other and how they felt about each other. That was always beautiful to me. Totally. You yeah. know, wow, Val, that know. was beautiful. You're right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's play another song. Are um, you going no, we're gonna play. Okay. We're gonna play. I'm stone in love with you. You sing it beautifully. What a falsetto. Let's talk about it. Um, you know, it's funny, too, because uh, that falsetto really just came on the scene, I would say, within the past 10 years. Um, okay. During one of my last relationships, uh, hanging around the house. You were yelling a lot? Like... Wait, you were screaming a lot, yelling a lot? That's how it came? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um <laughs> And it's funny, too, because I used to uh, fool around with it, and uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the the person I was seeing at that time basically said, you know, it sounds good, and I never really took it serious, and uh, one thing led to another, and as I started doing this new format of uh, playing the, uh, the piano, uh, keyboards, and singing, which is, by the way, <clears throat> and, and this is where I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sound like... Uh, braggadocious or something or whatever you know this new venue this new type of platform that i do now is is really only coming to uh, fruition here for the past like three years for me um because i was really just doing solo piano stuff after i had come off dealing working with my own business which which was a a wedding 
production business. I was the booking agent for, uh, the name of the business was called Barry Jason Orchestras. And we used to put on these monthly showcases of the DJs and the bands and all the vendors around the room. I did that for a good period of time, doing a lot of advertisements and bridal planners and so forth. So Barry Jason Orchestras was, uh, was quite formidable in Bergen County at that time. And, uh, but then it was always still the solo piano stuff, besides being the lead singer in Barry Jason Orchestra, which was a seven-piece ensemble. Um, but the point I was going to make, I was leading into something. What was that point? Well, you said solo? you didn't want to brag, but so brag. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so brag, okay. No, this, this, new, this new venue, this new platform, uh, which has really become popular for a lot of these artists now, is they go up and they do some crooning. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of Sinatra and, uh, you know, some Elvis and uh, Engelbert Humperdinck or whatever. You know, it's good stuff. You know, I mean, I love that stuff too. And, um, but I try to take mine along with the piano. So I try to distinguish between the two and I offer people a little bit of both, like the actual live piano stuff. So I can do some you know, some Carol King or some Billy Joel or some Todd Rundgren or Neil Sedaka, all on a piano situation. And then I'll get up and maybe I'll do a Sinatra or a Stylistics and, or whatever, right. you know. And it keeps me a little uh, happy and peppy bursting with love. You right. Know? So um, that's, that's what drives me right now. So I, I love the extra keyboard, and uh, that's how I'm doing my venues at this uh, at this time okay you do know? you play any other instruments no okay so no, it's only just been piano i used to dabble uh i dabbled with guitar when i was approximately 14 15 years old once again it was all during that time when the bands were becoming popular and i did play the guitar a little bit like two three chords but i can't call myself a guitar player you know um I don't know if I should tell you this one story, but it, it's quite common yes. when you hear it. Though. Yes, um, Even at that age, I guess I was sort of like, you know, always the uh, the salesman in a way. And in West New York, they used to have during the summer these, these talent shows, you know, and everybody would try to do a little bit of talent on this, on the little platform there on the stage, you know. And uh, so I have two cousins of mine who would, have no musical talent or ability whatsoever. They're great guys. We were all around the same age. We used to hang around together like three musketeers. I said, listen, why don't we do the talent show together? And I says, well, we can't do anything. We don't know any music. I says, listen, just stand on my side, <laughs> one on my left, one on my right. I says, we'll be like the male version of the Supremes. So I brought up this folk guitar. I only knew two chords on the guitar. Okay, and it wasn't mic'd up, <clears throat> and we're on, we're we're playing at on around the second base area in Miller Stadium in West New York, New Jersey. <laughs> okay, and and we're playing this song, and it was one of my original, early early originals. Um, and I told my cousins, listen, just stand there and just clap to the beat, just clap to the beat, and wouldn't you know, we got our trophies. Get out! I kid you not. That is so cool. It was so comical. I was so hysterical. <laughs> My husband was saying, how the hell did we get this? All right. So now, before yeah. I play the next song, um, I'm going to ask you a question and be very careful how you answer it, my love. Okay. What would you think of Elvis? <sighs> he was, um, he was, he was the force. Before the Beatles. There you go. That's that's the bottom line. I mean, he really was the force, especially in the the, the, the late fifties. I mean, he he was a force. Um, you know, you can talk about like you know uh, those those social phenomena things in the entertainment world, and you think of Sinatra in the forties, you think of Elvis in the fifties, which really did go be past the fifties, of course. Right, of course. And then the British invasion sort of put a lot of that stuff uh, on the back burner, you know, even though they had their own comebacks after that. Elvis had, he had a few comebacks, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I look at him as 
another one of those legendary forces, almost, you know, encapsulating an entire decade of music. Right. Well, music is a must for you to keep your joy, especially if it's Elvis, baby, because Elvis is my boy. There you go. Okay. Elvis is my boy. Um, That's right. You know... I had some really cool things. I was interviewed by George Klein at Graceland years ago. And I also got to interview Elvis Presley's nurse, Marion. She's like 95 now. I love her. Um, She was very, very stern with me. Please, no personal. I said, don't worry. Now we're very good friends. I love her. Um, I was supposed to meet Priscilla. Then COVID hit. And I'm hoping that still happens. And um, I got to interview a gentleman who goes by Elvis Aaron Presley Jr., um, who was legally given by the courts, I have the court documents, the name of his father. So you Isn't gotta, that amazing? you got to check him out, okay? It yeah, was an am- yeah. amazing story, okay? So having said that, let's pray. baby are you kidding me Elvis Presley so what does this song mean to you um gosh it's a it's a lovely lovely heartwarming ballad um obviously I got turned on to it from Elvis singing it I try to maybe sing it a little differently not too much differently um there's a lot of depth there in the song and, and let's face it Elvis was uh was a, uh, a king crooner mm-hmm. and uh, a ladies' man. And uh, and that song means a lot because uh, it's a ballad. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Beautiful. It's a ballad. And it's a, it's a beautiful ballad. Well, when I was growing up, of course, all my smart boyfriends would always sing that to me, even if they couldn't sing. <laughs> there you go, see? 
<laughs> they were very smart. So, they were very smart as well. Okay. And any man listening, sing that to whoever you love. <laughs> so, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jerry. Beautiful. You did an amazing job with it. Elvis is smiling yeah, down at you, Barry. <laughs> Okay, Elvis is smiling down. I I was I, I was smiling from ear to ear listening to it um when you sent me your songs and I was like how beautiful is this? I think you I think you were at a place where I sang it live, correct? Yes, I was. And right. that's when I met you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, and uh you know, I was like, okay. Yes, let's get this interview. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Beautiful. Good, I'm glad you dug it. Yep, and I took a live of you singing it also. No kidding. Yes, I did, and that was posted. Did I, see, I don't think I saw that Yeah, yet. I think you did, because I tagged you in really? it. Really? Yeah, it was out there. Okay. All right. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I'll check that out. Yep, I've t- I take lives of everyone and anyone singing Elvis at these shows. Oh, yes. Right. So, it's there. All right, my okay. darling. So, now, um, all right, so... Let's play another song. Let's give everyone another treat. Um, these songs are just absolutely, they're beautiful. I mean, everyone knows these songs, and I'm sure everyone has great memories listening to these songs. So now, let's play Too Late to Turn Back, to Turn Back because you know what? This is also another unforgettable song. Here we go. question for you 
Go right ahead. Okay, so this song, okay? It's too late yes. to turn back now. Tell us a little bit of what this song means to you. Then I'm going to ask you something. You know, I think when you hear the first 10 seconds of that intro, matter of fact, the song was uh, done by... Uh, uh, Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. I even love the name of the group, Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. When I hear, when I hear, when I hear the word Cornelius, I, I, wasn't one of the characters on the Planet of the Apes Cornelius? I don't I'm remember, positive, but maybe. Almost positive, you know? Anyway, I love the name, uh, Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose, but the first 10 seconds of that song has to be probably one of the most uh, powerful uh, pop and uh, orchestration sounds in pop music. It, it's orchestration and a pop rock feel for the first 10 seconds opening up that song. Hmm. So it, it's quite, quite punchy. I got to be honest with you. Because when everybody hears the first 10 seconds of that song, it lifts them up immediately. There's something about that intro. Uh, I've incorporated it into my repertoire several years back. I love doing it. Um, it's just a great tune, you know, it's a great power pop slash R&B type of song, you know? Right. So, okay. Before I have you give everyone your info, I have a question for you. Okay. Like, for instance, that song, it's too late to turn back time. Okay. When you, since you've been singing since you were so young and you started your, you know, singing career as a like late teenager, you know, all this amazing stuff. When you look back, what do you ever listen to you, your songs that you recorded then versus now? And how does it all make you feel? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it's funny. I have really, I have no recordings of me as, as a teenager. Okay. I do have recordings of me when I was at, let's say, in my mid-20s. Yes. Um, and I do have some originals. Matter of fact, I'll be actually be putting some of these originals that I have, which were done in a, uh, a, a major studio in New York. I forgot the name of the studio now. Um, but they are originals, and I'm going to probably put them on my next CD. I'll probably incorporate them onto it. Um Listen, it's like anything else, you know, there there are ways of the way I used to sing back then in comparison to the way I sing now. You lose a little something, but then you gain a little something. You try to, uh, uh, you know, moderate this and modify that. And uh, But, you know, for example, I was actually once again even playing something for, you know, my, uh, my friend, uh, Rep. Linda Carrazzo there. And I told her, listen to this, listen to the way I used to sing it back then. And uh, she thought it was absolutely fabulous. But then again, she says, but the way you sing it now is just a, a different kind of passion. So I said, okay, I'll go along with that, you know? Right. And she's right. I mean, I love Linda. She's the one who actually approached me and said, hey, you want to, you want to interview Barry? I said, absolutely. You know, because she, she yeah. saw me taking your live and I was just like going crazy. I was loving it. Um, so right, she's awesome. Right. Um, she is. You know, but you're right about what you were just saying. I mean, you know, we can look back in time on everything we've all done up until present. But when you hear yourself singing as a younger person and then singing a little bit older and all the things in between, that's got to be incredible, an incredible feeling for you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Especially if you look at uh, uh, any videos. Um, yeah. Listen, the whole thing is it's like watching home movies at times, you know? Yeah. I could look at myself and Barry Jason orchestras on, on the, you know, the, the live wedding showcases, and I used to put them on monthly. And, uh, you know, a bunch of prospective wedding couples, you know, jamming the hotel uh, room that you booked in. Um, you know, you're doing your thing, you're, you're doing a whole cross section of music for everybody to, to hear and experience and these you know you want to get booked up for their wedding Amazing. um so i sit back and i listen and i look at myself and uh you can have a good laugh also right. you know no but amazing so right, barry right. tell everyone yeah. anything you want them to know about getting in touch with you booking you what's up and coming let's hear it well Obviously, uh, you can uh, look me, you can follow me, I guess, on Instagram, and that would be uh, 
Barry Jason music, and I'm still always updating that. I'm putting out a brand new website, which unfortunately is not quite finished yet, but that's going to be happening soon. And then, of course, uh, oh, I did put out a brand new, and, and you played some of these songs uh, today, uh, which are on my new CD. Okay. Um, so that CD, right now, if you were to, uh, let's say, uh, private message me in Facebook or on Facebook, um, I can arrange how to get one out to you. And, uh, you know, we go from there. Obviously, when I play out, uh, I usually have CDs there also. Do you have Do you have a website? You want to give a phone number, any of that? The, webs the website, believe it or not, will be coming out probably within the next couple of weeks. Okay, cool. Okay. okay. So right now, to, to follow me would be Barry Jason Music on Instagram. And then if you wanted to friend me or private message me on Facebook, Barry Jason. There you go. And guys, right. you can also reach out to me and I can get him a message from you guys as well if you're not really out there on that. So message me and I'll, you know, reach out to Barry. <laughs> this song your range is incredible to me thank you okay all your songs sound so 
unique and different and amazing. Thank you for sharing these these songs with yeah, me. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Jerry. You it's know beautiful. That. So, all right, let's talk a little bit, and then I have a question for you. Let's talk a little bit about this song, Gonna Take a Miracle. What does it mean to you? Um, basically, it came out, I think, in the early 80s, a uh, song by uh, Denise Williams, Nisi Williams, you know? Yep. And um, I was a... Uh, high school teacher at that time i taught for a long time not music either um and uh but there were always times during my breaks while i was a school teacher i was always going down to some uh, either auditorium where there was a piano this and that whatever and um all of the students that i had over the years knew what i was able to do and that's why i i used to play uh for a lot of their uh their shows and so forth because uh I just became incorporated into into those acts or whatever. Uh, but I used to play that song a lot, hanging out maybe in an auditorium in between a, a classes or something like that. So, uh, what did you teach if it wasn't music? It, I had uh, degrees in uh, social studies, uh, psychology, and English. How and about yeah, that? Yeah, so I, I was certified in all three. I taught all three. Uh, for a 20-year period, but I did not stay uh, for retirement or anything like that. Um, I could have, but um, I had a couple of other business opportunities that came by, and uh, music was always on the um, was always sort of secondary. So no matter what it was, even when I was teaching full time or even in my business, I was always doing music instead of just hanging it up completely. I was still always playing and singing and moonlighting or whatever. Um, How about yeah, that? Yeah, so that's, yeah. Okay, wow. I would never have guessed that. Okay, very cool. Thanks. So now I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, your influences over the years. You told us some musical influences. Did you have any others, maybe with movies or anything else? Um, yeah, if I get out of the uh, the rock, pop, you know, genre there... Uh, growing up as a kid, it had to probably started with early Abbott and Costello movies. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, like an Abbott and Costello movie, like, you know, In the Navy or something. You know, <laughs> the, the Andrews Sisters and Dick Powell, you, you know, the music would kill you. I mean, I love the Andrews Sisters. You love, you have to love the way Dick Powell sang. And uh, not to mention other phenomenal movies, you know, anything from... Let's say The Wizard of Oz and, and Harold Arlen. I mean, he put out some beautiful, beautiful songs over the rainbow. Listen to the way Judy Garland sang it. You know, what Leonard Bernstein did in West Side Story. Listen to Alex North's okay. music compositions in the movie Spartacus. Okay. You know, that, that, though, that theme music that runs throughout that movie can kill you. It's, it's that beautiful. So, um, you know, those were a lot, a lot of my influences, just, you know, movies with even My Fair Lady. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, listen to some of the music in My Fair Lady. It's absolutely beautiful. Right. That was so amazing. Admit, yeah. Phenomenal. So I used to love listening. And I still do. I still put them on and uh, and listen to them because they're absolutely fabulous. You know, beautiful. OK, thanks for sharing that. Definitely. So, so before we play our closing song. Um, is there anything maybe that you'd like to share you forgot or you'd like that we haven't touched base on now's the time the mic is yours well listen um, all I know is that me doing this new venue and singing and playing and just not doing a piano bar situation has really really been terrific for me Uh, I'm meeting a lot of more uh, a lot more uh, people uh, fabulous people um and I'm starting to do shows now. I have, uh, I don't know if I should be announcing like, you know. Anything yes, you can announce that... anything you'd like. Let them know where you're going to be. Yeah, I'll be doing a show back at uh, Garvey's next month. It'll be on uh, the uh, 26th of March. Is it the tw- No, it's the 19th of March. Excuse me. March 19th, I'll be doing another show at Garvey's in Monroe, New Jersey. Um, I'll be doing another brunch at the Grillstone because I just played at the Grillstone in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, uh, just this past Friday. So they want me coming back immediately on the 26th of, uh, this month, February oh, to do a brunch there. That's my know? grandson's 21st birthday. It's going to be an amazing night. Yay. Him up there. <laughs> He's in Arizona, Arizona state. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So much for that. Okay. You know? But, um, 
I know that there's going to be more gigs coming in because usually the phone starts uh, it starts ringing. Okay. And, uh, uh, I can see me going back to uh, another restaurant called Ah Salute in Matawan, okay. uh, Limoncello's here in Aberdeen, uh, plus the American Hotel. I was the piano man there for a couple of years, several years ago, and believe it or not, I brought the I I did the entire New Year's Eve bash there. So it was a fabulous time on New Year's Eve, and they've been intimating to me that they're going to be setting something up back at the American Hotel for me. So I'm really, really looking forward to another homecoming, you know, back there right. again. That's in Freehold. Amazing. So that's, yeah, that's all going to be great stuff I'm looking forward to. So amazing. Um, you know, I'll do my best. I've been I've been under the weather for a while now, but I'm going to do my best to try to get out to one of your gigs for sure. Yeah. 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 Listen, I look forward <clears throat> to seeing you. Um, all right, so we're going to close the show with a song, Have You Heard? Before I'm going to have you talk about the song before we close, but I want to say my thank yous to you first. So, again, I want to thank Linda for um, the introduction, for making sure we got this interview done. Linda, thank you. Love you, girlfriend. And I want to thank you, Barry, first and foremost, for honoring me today on The Jerry Petito Show with this incredible interview. Your, your information that you shared, I think, is great. Like, you made me smile with the things you were saying about the music world. Because a lot of us don't know simple things like that. And we don't think about it. And it just makes us relate to the artists even more. Right. So, you know, exactly. I, I, I thank you so much for that. And I thank you for taking your time. I thank you for sharing your music with me. I think you're incredible. Um... Thank you. Jerry, thank you. So, yeah, thank you so much. You know, and it was it was an honor for me to uh, be interviewed by you uh, today. Uh, you know, and a pleasure today. Me too. Thank you for this. So now I'm going to close with "Have You Heard," but I want you to share what this song means to you before we close. Very simply, doing this interview, I told you that you know sometimes as you get a little bit older and you're hearing all different types of music, mm -hmm. uh, the Duprees were one of those groups. Yeah. Uh, that seem to encapsulate, if you listen to their music, it really does encapsulate uh, ingredients from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and um, the harmonies are absolutely fabulous. And uh, I started really, really digging almost everything that they did. Um, so the next song that you're going to play is one of the songs that I love singing. And uh, it's Father Dupree's. So we're really digging this song, baby.
know 